Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. Thank you, as always, for listening. It's special because my good buddy Ryan Souls and I are going to break down the NFL season. Our NFL preview, we go through every division, make our Super Bowl playoff picks, all that and more. We, we take a long amount of time going through a deep dive on every division, who we like, who we don't, and who we think is primed for a great season. All that and more with Ryan Souls. And then I'm going to talk to Jose Young at MMA Fighting about UFC 242, Khabib, Dustin the Diamond Poirier, a lot to break down. And as always, we talk about some wrestling too because we can't not. I mean, come on. This is the Money Mitch Effect. It's a nice Wednesday morning. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, it's time for our NFL preview. The 2019 season is here. The annual preview with Ryan Souls that joins me now. Ryan, thanks for joining the show. Like we always do about this time, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Let's do it. We're ready to, to break down all four divisions. We'll get some picks, some playoff picks, some Super Bowl picks, and our MVP choices as well. But as we always do, we look at the NFL season, and uh, we go division by division. So with that, we will start in the NFC with the NFC East. And just as a little primer for everyone out there listening to this, or maybe for the first time, we'll get to the big storylines per team when we get to those divisions because clearly in the last week or so there have been a lot of those and also to kind of not tip our hand away I think it's fair that we go alphabetical order by team and then just say how we think the division is going to end up as a result of that so with that Ryan we'll start with the East the Dallas Cowboys are the first team on my list and interesting to say the least they won the division last year other teams were banged up. They took advantage of an opportunity, but a lot of turmoil coming into the into the season from the offseason with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott holding out for contracts in Zeke's case. A lot going on in Dallas. They don't know if they're going to get their number one running back. What do you think the uh, the vibe is going in for this Cowboys season? You know, I think vibe is the good word. I think it depends on 21's availability. If he's in the backfield uh, in the first four weeks of the season, and, you know, they had him for that stretch of games from that point on where you're getting to the meat of things. I think they're a threat to win the division, and I think they're a threat to make a deep playoff run because that's just how good he is. Uh, if he decides that he wants to hold out or he wants to try to cut in to this to, to kind of sit with Jerry in a staring contest into the season – then these first few first four games, excuse me, for the Cowboys are going to be crucial because when you do get him back, because this isn't a Le'Veon Bell situation where he's going to miss the entire season, you still want to be primed to make that run. So it's, I think the vibe totally depends on number 21. If it's in the lineup, uh, as an Eagles fan, I, I fear what that team is capable of. We saw Amari Cooper come over from Oakland last year. That defense is ferocious with uh-huh. LVE and Jalen Smith. So it's all about 21, though. Yeah, Lawrence, too. I mean, they have some beasts on defense, and I think they that's do. where they're feeling good about their potential as a team. I agree with you. It's about whether Zeke plays, but the first three games actually are pretty easy when you think about what their schedule could have been. Giants, Redskins, Dolphins. That's not unmanageable if you do have to roll with a guy like Memphis Memphis rookie Tony Pollard at running back. So yeah, for their long-term success, they need him in there. The Dak contract thing is interesting too because Ryan, I, I think we still don't know what he deserves. I think this is a year where if I'm the Cowboys, I'm actually on their side here. I'm not jumping to pay him the money that he wants based on what he's done. I think he needs one more good year. 
No, and I agree. I agree with that 100% from a, a football and a logic standpoint. But I think based on just how the quarterback market is set up, I think the quarterbacks hold an insane amount of leverage, even if the performance hasn't matched up yet. Right. And I think, and I think Dak Prescott can continue to slam his hand on the desk, saying Kirk Cousins, saying Carson Wentz. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know these other guys. So I think, you know, as much as I love Carson, you know, Dak has been available, and sure. you know, I'm not sold on Dak ceiling per se. But I think if you're in Dak's standpoint, why would I take a hometown discount when these other guys are getting this money? So I, I think it's tough. I think it's a conflict of interest here uh, from a fan perspective, maybe from an ownership team football perspective. I wouldn't be ready to give him thirty million dollars either, but I think you're gonna have to. I mean, I would say the same thing about Jared Goff as well. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not ready to pay him that money yet either. So, and, he, and his team made the Super Bowl last year. Uh, the prohibitive favorite in this division, Ryan, is the Philadelphia Eagles going into the season with Carson Wentz, we think, ready to go back healthy. Their defense has some playmakers. Looks like the secondary is finally healthy after a while. And uh, a new uh, offense, to say the least. The running back position is one that's been kind of in flux recently. They've got some new backs there, Sanders, Jordan Howard as well. Ryan, the Eagles appear to be reloading for another divisional, maybe deep playoff run. They they won a game last year, and they, they were close to winning a second one. But it's Wentz's turn. There's no foals over his shoulder. What do you think about the Eagles going into this season as the division favorites? You know me as the fan. I try my best not to get too up or too down in a particular you know, situation, but just on paper, this team looks loaded. I mean, just the addition of Deshaun Jackson just gives them so much more versatility on offense. You have a true deep, you got the safety blanket in Ertz, you got Aguilar, you got Alshon Jeffrey. We got to see how the rookie uh, wide side plays. And then you just mentioned Sanders and Jordan Howard and Howard is a thumper. So it's going to be interesting to see how they control the pace of the game because they should be able to strike fast when they need to, and they should be able to slow the game down when they need to as well. I like Doug Peterson, and I, I haven't even gotten to the defense yet with Fletcher Cox and Malcolm Jenkins and them adding Zach Brown. Uh, like I said, the secondary is healthy, but still when healthy, that still has been a weak point of the team besides Malcolm Jenkins, so we got to see how they're able to cover but this team on paper looks loaded, and I'm really interested to see what the potential is going to be. Yeah, and as we'll probably get to with uh, the latter half of this division, there's some some games that are very winnable in terms of your divisional matchups, but I think we're going to just gauge it by how Wentz looks early because I agree with everything you said, especially having that deep throw of Deshaun Jackson there. And uh, a secondary that, yeah, wasn't great, but they lost like three cornerbacks when the late half of the season. I mean, that is just brutal for any team. I think in a matter of like six weeks. Yeah, so I'm expecting the Eagles to be there. I think in the trenches, they've always had tons of talent. And I think as long as they're able to stay healthy, keep Wentz upright, and figure out who that future back is, I think this is going to be a tough team to beat. Uh, keeping it with the uh, the order that we have here, the the alphabetical of teams order, the Giants are next on our list, Ryan. And look, there there's really no mistake what they're trying to do, and that's built for the long term. Saquon Barkley has the potential to be the best running back in football pretty soon. We're all looking at that quarterback position, though, because I think everybody out there is not expecting much out of the Giants in terms of this year. 
But Jones, for for all the criticism, and and I'll put myself on that list, I was critical too. He's looked pretty good in the preseason, so I got to wonder when. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when he's going to be the signal caller and take over for Eli. Yeah, I mean, and I think he was going to be the the signal caller at some point this season in any way, uh, just based on how it works when you get drafted that high. I'm not putting a ton of stock in the preseason performances just because – We've seen we've seen Blake Bortles light it up in the preseason, and you know we see where he's at. We've seen a lot of other quarterbacks light it up in the preseason, and you know not to say that their careers go poorly, but I, I just think it can be a poor indicator of future performance. With that being said, I'm not hating on Daniel Jones, and I I hope he has success because what's gonna happen is teams know that they have to stop Saquon Barkley. So Daniel Jones, Eli Manning, whoever's the quarterback back there, is going to be looking at an eight-man box almost every play. And it's going to be a matter of can you take advantage of that and not have to run the ball and really run the football out of Saquon Barkley because that 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 is what will keep him from being the best back in the league is getting the, literally the football knocked out of him because he's going to stare at an eight-man box for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and I think another reason why they might not rush Jones in, I mean, you trade Beckham, you don't really have the passing weapons that you've had in the past, so no. why rush that as well? Defensively, this team's going to be a lot of work. This is a, this is not a good football team in 2019. I think we're in agreement there, although it will be fun to watch Saquon Barkley. And then last up on this list, speaking of teams that probably won't be good football teams in 2019, the Redskins. Ryan, I'm just trying to figure out what the direction is for this team. Because at least with the Giants, you have a sense of this is a long-term rebuild. Don't really know where the Redskins are going just yet. Yeah, this Washington team, like I, I have no clue. Once again, I think the theme here is conflict of interest. Jay Gruden and Dwayne Haskins, I think, have are tied together, just one, because of the draft pick. But I think two is... Jay Gruden is going to be forced to do whatever necessary to keep his job because of his hot seat. Uh-huh. And the ownership uh, of that team just hasn't been the greatest for a long time. They like to meddle and what the coach does, so he really doesn't have that much autonomy. So I think they actually have some weapons with, with Thompson, with Peterson. They could have a deadly running game, but I just don't trust organizationally if they can put it all together. Haskins, you know, your boy out of Ohio State has looked better in the preseason every week, but I still don't know if there's enough around them structurally and really infrastructure-wise to to keep them from winning games, to be honest, or losing games. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. I think Geis coming back, if he can give them something, might give the offense a potent look as well. But I, I wouldn't rush Haskins out there. I mean, not with this team. I mean, it, no. it's it's what we say about rookie quarterbacks. If they're ready yeah. and the players around them are, can it can give them a good environment, then yeah, but I just don't think now's the time for him. And we didn't even talk about the left tackle who doesn't oh. even trust the health of the or- the <laughs> health structure of the organization to even step on the football field. So I wouldn't yeah. put Haskins out there either. Well, that's true. It, it's, it's messy in D.C. All right, Money Mitch Effect, let's go to the NFC North. We'll make our picks at the end of the show. But the uh, first team to get to the Chicago Bears, Ryan, had a good season last year. Defensively, this team is as good as any team in football. And there's a lot to like going forward. I know it's going to come back to Trubisky and how much he can keep developing. But 
I'll say it, Ryan. I do like this football team, and I think they're going to be a dangerous one because I think we talk about, like we just said, giving your quarterback an environment and a system to succeed. I really like what Nagy's doing offensively, and I think the personnel matches what he's trying to do schematically. So I think from on the surface, I mean, this is a Bears team that doesn't even have to be a juggernaut offensively to be one of the best teams in football. And I, I do think this division, while it's a little top-heavy, sets up pretty nicely for the Bears this year. I agree 100%. Like you mentioned about the defense, they're as good as anybody with Khalil Mack over there just anchoring that edge. Again, Trubisky is going to be the key here, but I just, I'm just i interested to see how Tariq Cohen is going to handle the workload. He's more of a scat back, more get him in space, get him passes out of the backfield. So I'm curious to see you know, what they do between the tackles because Matt Nagy from that Andy Reid tree, you know, they don't run the ball a ton, but they still have some between the tackles runs. So I'm curious if Cohen can play that Shady McCoy role who was versatile in between the tackles and on the outside. So I'm interested to see that. Yeah, and they got some other running backs, Davis and uh, Montgomery out of Iowa State, who I thought was pretty good. They, they signed your boy from the Eagles, Trey Burton, who I think is going to be mm-hmm. a good value tight end for them. So they got some pieces there, and, and the roster – basically fits what they're trying to do uh defensively though i mean it, i mean mac is mac is as good as anyone we've seen but roquan smith they got trevathan now uh, eddie goldman's a stud akeem hicks i mean it's just it's it studs left and right you know and, and that's what's even leonard floyd is a beast as well so uh, what i like to say too is this division it gets cold we it's cliche but it's going to be some brutally cold football games i like having this defense when it's close i do too and i mean Chicago smash mouth football in the middle of December when you're breathing and you can see you can see your breath there's nothing like it with a strong defense out there so what would I say to you Ryan then if is there any possibility that the Lions aren't last in this division <laughs> absolutely not I mean yeah and, yeah. and, in, and in all honesty if you don't Rogers gets know, hurt that's the only way <laughs> but yeah yeah and I think that's it and I still think it would be tough then I mean from top to bottom I mean, you hear stories of Matt Patricia trying to turn him into the Detroit Patriots, and it's not working. Matthew Stafford, I don't even know if his mind is completely in the game with all the stuff he's dealing with off the field with his family. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, if, if Matt Stafford can't play, which is a legitimate possibility, you know, you got to think they're in the two of sweepstakes, and that they might be in the two of sweepstakes regardless. Yeah, Tua, Justin Herbert, the two coming out this year uh, at quarterback. I, I look at on Johnson. This is the best running back I can remember them having in a long time. It'd be Absolutely. nice if they decided to maybe go towards a little bit. It's funny how teams mm-hmm. that commit more to the running games tend to have more success down the stretch. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, you know, this is a tough division. I don't know what the defensively – what the Lions game plan is going to be, how they're going to try to slow down all these passing attacks. And also just, it, it seems like this NFC North arms race continually leaves the Lions behind. I uh, just, it, the easiest way I can put it. Absolutely. I mean, and it has consistently and every once in a while you get a, a Barry Sanders or a Calvin Johnson, but we, we got another 10 years before they get one of those players again. So it'll be the same all Lions come Thanksgiving. If we turn our attention now to green Bay, Ryan, it's a new coach and Matt LaFleur. But I'm going to look at what this defense is trying to do rebuilding. Do you think they're at a point where they can succeed? 
you know, I think they are. They're, they're switching from a 43 to a 34. They brought in Darius Smith uh, from Baltimore coming off the edge. Uh, they got Clay Matthews out of there. He was getting a little long in the tooth. They got Adrian Amos from Chicago, who's a really good safety. I like what they're doing. You know, the biggest thing is they, they need to be able to run the ball some, and they need, it, need to be able to play good defense. And I think they finally may be able to do that this year. We just got to see how the coaching legendary quarterback mesh here. I think that's the, the larger question. But if those other two phases are holding up, which we haven't seen Green Bay have in a while, then they got to get as good a chance as anybody to try to uh, put themselves in position for a run. Yeah, they really have done a good job at, at you know cutting their losses on some bad draft picks too defensively. So it's promising to see that they might have have a solid roster back there, which is more than you can say of a lot of Aaron Rodgers' teams. You go to the offensive side of the ball, it's the same stuff. What the running game is going to look like. Will Aaron Jones be a feature back? Will they have to shuffle some guys in there? Now that you're kind of seeing a new Packers attack with some new passing attack with some pieces in there, is Devontae Adams going to be the guy that becomes a breakout stud? Which receivers will step up? Well, Flora is a pretty young coach, Ryan, so I'm looking at whether Rodgers will, I don't want to just say respect him, but be able to have that trust in a guy that hasn't been a head coach before. Really more just from a uh, schematic standpoint, I want to see how the floor can scheme some of these guys open because we mentioned Devontae Adams, but over the last two years, they've lost Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. So who's going to play out or opposite Devontae Adams? Who's going to take the, the bracketed pressures and cover, coverages off of him? And are they going to be able to scheme other guys open so Aaron Rodgers isn't always relying on his receivers to just be man? going to be fun to watch last in that division Ryan is the Vikings who have put together a good defensive unit the running game remains largely intact they have Kirk Cousins for better or for worse this is a team top to bottom we've always put near the top of talent on the overall roster but have they petered is my question is this about as good as they can be contending for that playoff berth but not much more after that yeah and you know, Peter is a, is a good word for it. I just wonder, we know Mike Zimmer is a good coach, but does Mike Zimmer's philosophy mesh with the roster that they have? I mean, you have Thielen, you have Stefan Diggs, you got Cousins who's supposed to be able to air it out, and you have a solid defense. Now, Zimmer obviously identifies with the defense, but he really wants to pound and run the football, play ball control. And they've got some studs on the outside. They've got some speed. And, you know, we saw that issue last year with the offensive coordinator and just a, from a philosophy and style standpoint. So I just really wonder what this team's identity is going to be because if they want to air it out with Thielen and Diggs and, and try to compete that way, if they believe in Kirk Cousins, which I don't, I'm not sure if Zimmer does, but we'll see, then they should be able to do that. But Zimmer really wants to use Dalvin Cook and and um, I forgot the second running back they got this year via trade, but they want to be able to pound it. And I just don't know if philosophically their roster matches up with what Zimmer wants to do. A lot of close games last year. Uh, a lot of close games last year that they lost late down the stretch. That Eagles, uh, that Bears game that kept them out of the playoffs, basically, uh, when the Bears were not sure if they were even going to play all their starters, was uh, was huge. 
I think the Vikings have a lot of talent. It'll be interesting to see them, the Bears, and the Packers, this three-way matchup to see who can who can reign for supremacy. If one team starts to pull away and you could get a, a rock'em, sock'em battle for that wild-card spot or a potential wild-card spot, it could be fun to see. But who knows? This could be one of those rare three-team division playoffs uh, that's not out of the realm of possibility either. Let's go to the NFC South, where always an entertaining division every year. It seems like it rotates a lot. And the team that's been bringing up the rear for the last couple of years made a big coaching splash hire. The Tampa Bay Bucks bring in Bruce Arians. A lot of people are bullish on this team, Ryan, because they know what Arians brings them, and that is high-powered offense, aggressiveness, and maybe he'll be able to get through to Jameis Winston. But that's the big question. Do you think he will? I think he'll be able to get through Jameis, get through to Jameis Winston. I, I think he's a really good coach. I just think the issue with the Buccaneers is the rest of that division and really the rest of the conference. I just think there's, by the time we get around to December, I just don't know if there's going to be any of the pie left for them to eat. I think they'll be chewing on scraps because other teams will just be better. I think he will be able to get something out of James Winston. I think we'll see Mike Evans have a really good year. I think we'll see that defense, um, you know, play a little bit faster with Devin White out there. But I don't know if it'll be enough. Yeah, they actually have a sneakily underrated defense. And I think Godwin's another one, that other receiver that's going to have a big year. I still don't know if I trust Jameis in close games to not just throw a dumb interception because we've seen it too many times. And they're, they're yeah. a team that's really on the fringe because could they make a push with the schedule and, and some wins for a wild card? That wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. But could they also go the other way and be just completely terrible and be going for the draft pick? Yeah, so I think this team has the, the higher ceiling, lower floor of maybe anyone in the NFL. Maybe. I think anywhere between like nine and three wins would not surprise me with this team, depending on what they do. Uh, the Falcons are, are, in similar, are in a similar regard for me as well, Ryan, because, I mean, this is what, year 11 now of the Matt Ryan era. Julio Jones has had a lot of injury history, and that defense has been losing some players over the years. I'm not as bullish on the Falcons as I used to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm not either. You know, I will say, though, Julio Jones having concerns. Calvin Ridley caught 10 touchdowns as a rookie last year. So I think seeing him maybe take a step in his game maybe will take some of that pressure off Julio Jones and Matt Ryan will be able to have a, a little bit more of a distribution on offense like he did when Julio was younger, younger and Rowdy White was there. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, you know, Julio can slip into that. Rowdy White, well, a much better version of Rowdy White, and we'll see Ridley take a step. But I'm with you. Defense isn't the same. You know, if Deion Jones can stay healthy and Keanu Neal can stay healthy, then maybe, you know, they can fly around and be fast on defense. But we haven't seen Vic Beasley pan out as we thought he would, and uh, they're just not very fast on defense. So I'm not really too, too sold on them either. And the running game has some questions as well. But uh, the quarterback position is what we look at in this league, and I don't know. I don't want to say Ryan's declining, but he's kind of been where he has been the last couple of years. And uh, well, you know, the, it I, goes back I'll, to that Super Bowl loss, I think. Mm -hmm. And I'll put it this way. I think he could go out and throw, you know, 38, 42 touchdowns, and I think he could go out and throw 30 touchdowns and, and 20 picks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he was, 
you know, he, he put up numbers, but they didn't necessarily translate to wins all the time to as wins. well. Right. And that also goes back to the defense. Uh, the Panthers are another team too, Ryan. It, it circles around that quarterback and around Cam Newton and whether or not he's going to be healthy. That's a big if, and obviously if he's not, their season could be doomed from the start. But if he is, defensively, they've had some pieces around an already solid unit, and McCaffrey was just an absolute beast last year. So another team that if Cam Newton is healthy, big prerequisite, but if he's healthy, this team could be uh, one to surprise some people. Yeah, man, I really I love this team. They were 6-2 and two last year before Cam got hurt. He had been playing his best football really from the pocket with North Turner over there. He's really the best offensive coordinator he's had. He's worked a lot in the offseason on his throwing motion, um, his footwork. Uh, just from reading up on that stuff, he's excited about playing with North Turner. They added Gerald McCoy, who will get more one-on-ones with that defensive front, how good it is with Keithley back there. You know, I still worry some about their secondary. But like you said, the prerequisite of cam newton being healthy but if he is i think this team could definitely compete uh, with thanks for the division yeah uh, offensively they're as fun as they've been in a long time uh, and yeah. it's not just mccaffrey they have done a good job of giving cam some weapons to use yeah. at his disposal and hopefully he's able to play and make this division fun those go back to the saints ryan because for two years, I thought this team was going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> two years in a row. Mm-hmm. They've suffered some brutal, brutal losses. We don't have to get into last year's game, especially that promoted the rule change, now that you can challenge pass interference. But the Saints still have a ton of talent, but they also have a 40-year-old quarterback and a team that has suffered some brutal losses at the doorstep of a championship the last couple of years. So I'm wondering if this does have a shelf life, if there is a cliff here, and, and if it's going to be hard for them to keep going back. You know, I think this team is just hungry. I, I could see them getting back there, but I think they're going to miss the punch of Mark Ingram. You know, we were talking about uh, the Bears previously with Cohen, and I'm thinking the same for Kamara here. Can he be the in-between-the-tackles back, or are we going to see him just when you know he's on the field, are they throwing him the football? Are they throwing the football? And I think, you know, the predictability of the Saints uh, when he's on the field might you know, shed some light on how powerful that offense is going to be. I still believe in Michael Thomas. Uh, I think they do a good job of protecting Drew Brees. Uh, That defense is still stout, at least that front four. But it's just, it's a tough NFC. So it's just, I think the Saints could be really good, but I also think they could sit around that 10 or 11 wins too because everyone in in this conference is going to beat each other up. Yeah, and, and I would also say that just the amount of talent they've added defensively over the years, especially in that secondary, puts them in a position to where they're going to be able to slow down some of these high-power passing attacks. But, yeah, if it's not a lock that any team can make it out of this division. You know, They don't have the luxury of what the Patriots have had in the last couple of years. So I do agree there, and I think that Sean Payton has, has got a system in place that's hard to replicate. So. We'll see. One last division, Ryan, in the NFC. That's the West, and uh, I'll do some. Qu- we'll do some quick notes on uh, the first team here because the Cardinals aren't expected to be contending for anything. But I'll look at this year to see what Kingsbury as an NFL coach looks like, and, and Kyler Murray as an NFL quarterback because his preseason, like you said, don't always put a lot of stock into it, but hasn't been great. Can he? Can that translate his freak athleticism from the college game to the pro level? So that's what I'll be looking for this year. 
Well, what I'll be looking for with the Cardinals, there is one thing that I will put emphasis on the preseason, regardless of um, the time of year. If you're playing football with pads on, you always want to keep the quarterback upright. And Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury got the got the quarterback sacked a lot, so. I'm curious to see how this air raid offense, they keep saying they haven't shown any of their hand yet. So when they get out here and the bullets are live, can they keep Kyler Murray upright? That's what I want to know. It's a big question. Uh, The 49ers next on the list, Ryan, another team that maybe people hyped up a little too much recently. The Kyle Shanahan team, Garoppolo got hurt last year. He hasn't looked great when he's come back. And, and I think part of the, the fear is that it's coming back from a major injury. Do you put stock into how he's looked, and are you worried about this team long-term? You know, I am worried about the team long-term just because originally when the 49ers paid him that money coming from New England, I just thought they were putting a lot uh, in a guy based off seven games. You know, I think he getting him getting hurt has hurt his confidence, and, you know, like you said, it, it's hard to get that – trust back in your leg even when it's completely healthy that what you're doing is correct and no one's going to fall down in front of you and whatnot but you know this team can be really 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 strong on defense they've got I believe four top 10 picks in the last six years on that in that front seven so I think they could be a surprise on defense but a lot of it's going to depend on uh, Jimmy G yeah, I just hope he can recover, and he's not a spring chicken anymore. He's been in this in this league for you know five six years now as well. So hopefully he can come back offensively. McKinnon got hurt, another big injury to the running back. So they they got some question marks there, and I think we're at a point now where we're not really considering them to contend with the Rams, the reigning division champs, the second straight year. We lost the Super Bowl last year. I know we got the girly injury situation to look at. He he doesn't seem super healthy, but Ryan, this team's absolutely loaded, and they're loaded on the defensive side of the ball more than anything to me. Yeah, they're loaded on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they had a good draft, you know. I just and they got Wade Phillips over there. I just wonder now the league getting an entire year of film on. McVeigh and, and all this play action they run with Gurley potentially being limited with them not being able to rely on the play action as much how does McVeigh expand his offense how does he redefine himself and you know really take that hype uh, yeah. deser- that he had deservedly uh, to the next level and he really got schooled, as he says, in the Super Bowl. And I think a lot of people are going to be looking to see how much he's learned. Right. And, uh, you know, Jared Goff also. Yeah, having Cooper Cup back is going to be huge for them. I think he's probably mm-hmm. their most valuable receiver. Uh, I, I think this team, Ryan, the way they play, you're not – I mean, it's a cliche in sport, but you're not going to beat this team playing their style. You're going to have to just – impose your will and play a different style which is why there is one team in this division that i think can challenge them this year and that's the seattle seahawks because they they picked up Jadavian Clowney without giving up a whole lot they've kind of revamped what they've been trying to do i i like the seahawks team i think they can sneakily challenge the rams not sure they're going to pull off the division but i think the seahawks team is going to be very dangerous this year yeah and you know i just think they're well coached i think they will play well as they always do but I just wonder once again are they going to be able to protect Russell Wilson are they going to run the ball 
a ton and when that when that gets stopped what's their change up how do they how do they um audible and switch out uh into something else and then going to Jadavian Clowney I'm interested to see how he plays with his hand in the dirt um because Pete Carroll traditionally with that defense it's a four down lineman it's a four three setup so are they gonna have him just coming off the edge really just as a pass rusher they're going to make him put his hand in the dirt and have some gap responsibility so i'm curious with you know some questioning his motor how that's going to look i think crazy as it is looking from his draft status he might be a downgrade from frank clark until proven otherwise i i agree to some extent i think Look, I mean, he hasn't had double-digit sacks in his career. I just love the fact that the Seahawks didn't really give up much for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you still got B-Wags <laughs> over there. The, yeah, so. exactly. He's a stud. Your line is a little better for Seattle. It's not great. It never has been great, but it's getting better. It's hard to get much worse than they've been. And if you believe the hype coming out of camp, they love Chris Carson. Penny is, is doing well as, as also. So you have two running backs that they kind of trust in, and that gives them something. You know, they've been really slacking in that regard, a lot of injuries in that position. So I think they have an opportunity there, and I do believe in Russ, and I believe this team is well coached. They're a, 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 a ball possession type of team, so I could see them competing. We know when they play the Rams, those games are always tough, regardless of uh, what the standings are as well, too. So I, I'm very intrigued by that race. All right, I think it's time to go to the AFC now. So uh, Money Mitch Effect, Ryan Souls, our NFL preview. We'll start with the AFC East. And uh, this might be our quickest divisional preview, Ryan, I'd have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because yep. yeah, we kind of know what's happening here. So Bills are the first team and uh, maybe the second best team in this division. I don't know, I guess. Uh, Josh Allen last year, Ryan, I don't know if you know this, but for the last six weeks of the season was the best quarterback in terms of putting up numbers in the NFL funny fact to me so wow. so yeah I mean I think that there is look I like Doug McDermott as a coach I put him at top half of coaches in the NFL from a roster standpoint Sean McDermott. You, you could yeah Sean McDermott sorry <laughs> Sean McDermott from a roster standpoint you could convince me that this is the second best team in the AFC East and maybe seven or eight wins that's about as far as I could go I think that's about as far as it goes to I think seven or eight wins I think they really have a good mentality around there. I just, I'm just, i just not sure of the talent yet. Yeah, I think that this team is is the quote-unquote long-term play. Last year, they were probably a little ahead of schedule, and I do think, like, Allen, for his strong arm, his ability to run as well is something that can be done. But I think defensively, this team deserves a little more credit because they might not have the talent, but they played some teams tough last year, including the Patriots, including the top teams in the NFL. So... Bills would probably be two for me. Dolphins definitely four because, Ryan, they are tanking. That is pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely clear. And, you know, they're playing Fitzpatrick and Rosen, obviously, has looked better. You get rid of probably the best player on your team and Laramie Tunsil, Kiko Alonso, a serviceable back, a serviceable back. And then Kenny Stills, I mean, regardless of what some people think about him, uh, including his own head coach, he was performing. So they're obviously tanking here. They're probably in the two of sweepstakes as well, Herbert. Uh, but we, yeah, we know what they're doing. Yeah, tough one for uh, for Rosen and Fitzpatrick because they lost the, one of the better linemen in football. So uh, they're tanking, but at the expense of uh, protecting their current quarterbacks. The Jets, Ryan, another team where it'll depend a lot on what Darnold can give you. 
Offensively, I'm still a little undersold on some of the receivers. And we get to see Le'Veon Bell play football for the first time in two years. So that's an added bonus. Yeah, that's definitely a bonus. I think this team, you know, we talked about the Bills playing the long game. I think this team is playing the long game as well. I think they really like Sam Darnold. I think, you know, it's a matter of keeping Le'Veon Bell patient. But like you said, if they can get a receiver upgrade to help out Darnold, I think Adam Gase is really going to help him a lot. Yeah, this could very well be the second-best team in this division as well. We'll see how Darnold plays uh, with a full season of pro football behind him. And uh, we all are in agreement everywhere around the world, I think, who the best team in this division is. With the Patriots coming back, coming back with another Super Bowl, their sixth. Brady's 42. We're going to wonder about that until he just stops playing when he's here and and he still looks like he can lead the offense. But what I think they found last year, Ryan, down the stretch and helped them win that Super Bowl was the power running game, a defense that got better every week of the season. Now they have to replace a new coordinator. But, Ryan, this is a tough team. They're well coached. They're going to be here. And, and that's all the cliches for Belichick football I know. I mean, there's just no reason why they won't win this division. Oh, no reason why they won't win it. I mean, that's that's half the reason why they've had all the success because they're shooting to win the division every year. So we can we can pencil them in for a home playoff game right now. <laughs> Week one uh, by. <laughs> yeah, we, exactly. So, you know, the, what else can be said about this team? You know, from an offensive standpoint, though, I am interested to see if they're going to borrow from that end-of-the-season game plan starting the year with Sony Michelle and James White and Devlin and just trying to run the ball because between Edelman and Demarius Thomas and Josh Gordon, which you know we hope he, he can stay on the field this year and can and stay mentally healthy with his issues. But I think, you know, we don't know what this offense really is gonna look like. No. So I, I'm curious to see how that goes. But this defense is probably going to be top five in a lot of categories. Yeah, they drafted Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State, too. So he was a stud in college as well. Uh, one other thing, do you think Grant comes back? Uh, I don't see Grant back this year. I don't. I mean, I saw Grant when he was uh, talking on TV explaining why he retired. And he looked a lot smaller now unless he wants to decide to put on you know a lot of bulk for a late season run maybe but I just I don't see it and that's really not how the Patriots do business I mean regardless if it's Gronk or not you're not going to bring a guy just in who hasn't been with you in the throes of things just back that's just definitely never done anything like that so I, I can't see it yeah, I think if he's going to come back, it's going to be for a full year. Next year would be would be mm-hmm. what he targets, but maybe not. I mean, he doesn't really have much more to prove as well. My money, and I think yours is the greatest tight end ever. Um, all right. AFC North, really excited to talk about this division, as you could probably tell. Uh, we'll get we'll uh, we'll brush off to the side the Bengals first because I think they're the only team not in contention this year. Uh, you know what you're going to get from this team? It's Andy Dalton. It's a defense that's solid, but at this point, not as spectacular. And the big question for me is A.J. Green, because if he's not there, not available, and banged up with injuries this year, this could be a very bad season for Cincinnati. Yeah, it could be a long season for Cincinnati. This is the first year without Marvin Lewis. I'm blanking on the name of the new head coach. It's, it's but... uh, Taylor, right? It's uh, McVay's buddy. Yeah, 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 Taylor. And I just I think, um, man – <laughs> losing not... a, losing AJ Green hurts, but it's still the same Andy Dalton. 
So I, I don't know. Like you said, they are the team that is not in contention for this division this year. I mean, Mixon will put up stats, but yeah, they are they are definitely several steps behind the other three teams. Speaking of first time in uh, maybe my maybe not my lifetime, but my adult lifetime for sure, the Browns are actually preseason favorites to win this division, which mm-hmm. is uh, kind of crazy, but. Slight favorites over Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Everybody's so close to the top. Browns, there's a lot to like this year. Uh, with Baker Mayfield having uh, setting the rookie touchdowns record last year for touchdowns thrown as a rookie. They had Beckham. They have Landry as well. Nick Chubb's coming back. They'll have Kareem Hunt in week eight. The defense keeps adding some players as well. Ryan, I'll be completely honest. The offensive line is a little bit of an issue, and I think that their defensive pass Pass coverage can use some work too, but just to have them in the race is pretty spectacular. And I do think that if if we can get to see now Freddie Kitchens in a full season as a head coach, if he continues to experiment and, and try some things to put Baker in a comfortable set back to his college days, I think this team could be one to uh, do some damage. Yeah, I think this team is definitely primed and set up to do some damage. And they got weapons everywhere. They've got two really, really good receivers. They've got solid running backs. Like you mentioned, the offensive line you wish was a little bit better. But just on the other side of the ball, I'm really excited to watch this defensive line. you got Garrett on one side. you got Olivier Burner on the other side. You know, I saw what they were doing in the preseason to some of these offensive lines. So I'm really interested to see how they're going to get off, get after the passer. And then – Baker Mayfield just really impressed me last year, and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how far he can take it this year with these new weapons. It's going to be fun. Beckham on the Browns, too. What's his mindset going to be uh, health-wise? I mean, he has battled some injuries. And just him and Landry, hopefully, I'm, I'm assuming that they're buddies and that they're because they're on a potentially good team. They'll be okay if they don't, you know, get all the targets they want, but... It could go the other way. <laughs> I mean, it, it could. So it something could. to kind of be worried about there. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens actually won this division last year. Very interesting odd season for them, especially for a division winner, where Flacco gets benched, Lamar Jackson comes in, they basically overhaul their entire plan of what they're going to do, and it works. They run that college running style offense. Lamar Jackson's put in a position to succeed. Had the bad playoff game against the Chargers, though. Defense still solid, Ryan. This is a a division champ coming back in, maybe even under the radar, which is odd to say. But what do you think about the Ravens? Can they back up the success they had with Lamar Jackson as a rookie? You know, I really like this team. Uh, I like Lamar Jackson. It'll be interesting to see what they do for the offense, having a full offseason to to tailor some things to what Lamar Jackson does. But really, I want to see how Lamar Jackson has just progressed because he has special talent as a runner. But, you know, he said he wanted he was going to throw the ball 30 times a game this year. So, you know, if he, if he can do that and they have an offense based around him being able to throw the ball 30 times a game and he still has that running ability because he can't run the ball 16 times a game, he, he won't last long. Uh, and the NFL just on history. Mm-hmm. But I really like this team. Adding Earl Thomas over there uh, in the back end, this team can be dangerous. 
Yeah, they really can. And like we said about the Bears, we're a team I would compare them to. They don't really need to put up 30 points to win. You know, Chiefs do, you know, other teams do, Saints maybe even, but not this team. Defensively, they are are very well-rounded. And that possession hurts. I mean, you just take away – it's what the Patriots used to do in the in the early 2000s, just take away possessions from the other team. The Steelers in this division, Ryan, I just want to say that I don't put them talent-wise at the level of the Browns or Ravens top to bottom, but I am a little worried, mostly because I hate the Steelers, but I am a little worried because you got some people in that locker room out of there <laughs> that I think could actually help the team bond together and do better, even with less talent. Yeah, and I agree 100%. I, I think less talent, especially in the NFL, can be more positive depending on you know the character and the and the vibe of the guys in the locker room. I think the Steelers team is is seriously underrated. Mm-hmm. I think Big Ben has something to prove. I think this defense is going to be fast with uh, Devin Bush and you know this team playing a lot better on the back end. I like this team a lot. Uh, I think that they're going to challenge for the division as well, and I think less could be more. Uh, we got to see if Juju can emerge as the number one receiver. But from Plaxico Burris to San Antonio Holmes to Hines Ward to Mike Wallace to Antonio Brown, you know, they've developed receivers. So Juju could be in that number. You got to see. He could. One of the fastest, biggest game breakers in the NFL right now. And, uh, yeah, Connor as well stepped in for Bell, gave them the production they needed. So. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm terrified of the fact that the Steelers could be actually underrated this year. Uh, AFC South here on the Mighty Mitch Effect with Ryan Souls. Another division that's gone through some turmoil, to say the least. Uh, let's start with that team, the Colts. Andrew Luck retired. I think it stunned everybody. I know we were stunned when we heard it, Ryan. But obviously we've talked about and it's been discussed ad nauseum about Luck retiring and him earning the right. And it sucks to not see him play, but you got to do what you got to do. Now it's the Jacoby Brissett Colts, the Jacoby Brissett-led Colts, and I'm not ready to write them off. Do I think they're going to win this division, Ryan? I'm going to say no, but Brissett's not terrible, and they've been drafting really well on both sides of the ball the last two years. So I would just caution everybody to be careful writing them off already. Oh, see, and I, I'm a little, I'm even more bullish. I think Brissett is better than not terrible. Okay. I, I don't think, I don't think we should use. The 2017 season as an indicator of what he's going to do. Would you put forward. him on deck level? Is he that good? I would. I would put okay. him on deck oh. level. And I think, and I think having Frank Reich, I think having T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack, that much improved offensive line. You got Darius Leonard on the other side. I think this. I'm actually am still picking this team to win the Whoa. division. All right. Um, I am, uh, and I, I think. I honestly think nine or ten wins can get it done. I think if they had Andrew Luck, they could have won twelve just because of, you know, how good he is. But I just think infrastructure-wise, coaching-wise, this team still has enough, and I think they're going to be really good. Yeah, I mean, Leonard, what can't you say about him? The guy was just a stud last year and wasn't even a top pick. I mean, that's insane. Uh, No, I mean, for years, and that's probably why Luck was banged up and retired. They didn't have an offensive line. Their defense was getting gashed, so they had to keep throwing the ball and getting aggressive. You don't necessarily have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not supposed to look like that if you're an offensive line. You're not supposed to be ripped. Uh, you know, I, I think so as well. I think Mack and the running game is going to be good for them. Um, they got the Texans backup foreman as well, too. So they're going to have some pieces to, to play with there. 
Uh, other teams in this division, though, will have something to say about it. And uh, I'm interested to see how Jacksonville does. They're a team that I really can't get a grasp on because last year, look, Ryan, we both, and maybe you more than me, ripped on Bortles, deservedly so. They got a Super Bowl MVP coming their quarterback now. So if we're thinking that it was just the quarterback position, maybe this is a sneaky team to win the division. You know, I'm – I'm still interested in how the offense is going to look. I don't trust their receivers, to be honest. I really don't trust Leonard Fournette either. You know, I was bullish on him coming out of LSU. I think Nick Foles is uh, definitely an upgrade from Blake Bortles. I just still don't trust that they're going to be able to put it all together. They're going to be a team that relies on their defense. Will Fournette be able to stay healthy enough, run the ball, like we said, take possessions away. But when it comes down to it, I don't know if Nick Foles is going to have an Alshon Jeffrey, a Zach Ertz, a Nelson Aguilar to deliver, a Darren Sproles to deliver the ball to um, when it comes down to it. So even if they try to go back and run the Chip Kelly offense with Nick Foles was so successful in, I don't see where the weapons are. So I, I'm not excited about this team from an offensive standpoint. They're going to be serviceable just because they don't play portals, <laughs> but they're, but they're going to be relying on the defense again. I guess D.D. Westbrook is the guy, so we'll see. I mean, yeah. we'll see if he can assume that role. Uh, defensively, they were poor as well. I, I I think it goes without saying as we book in the Blake Bortles run, but defensively, they were a lot worse last year too. So it wasn't just bad quarterback play. It was definitely bad quarterback play, but it was also uh, their defense needing to step up. So we'll see Jalen Ramsey if he can come in and, and really really bear down as well. Uh, the Houston Texans are a team that a lot of people are picking to win the division, and I think the main reason for that is now the opening with the Colts with Lux retirement. And we're also looking at a guy like Deshaun Watson. This is his opportunity. I mean, this is literally you want to be an upper echelon quarterback. The division is here for the taking. They lost Lamar Miller. They traded for Hyde and Duke Johnson, so they have some running back options. Hopkins is a stud. I think this team sets up well. I like getting Tunsil as well because what do you have to do at court at have to do more than anything is protect the quarterback like we said so I do like this Texans team I think they got a real chance to make a run I think Tunsil is huge for them Deshaun Watson I think in the last since he's been in the NFL I think he's been the most sacked quarterback and he couldn't even fly with the team last year because he had a punctured lung so they haven't done a good job of keeping him healthy. They lost Will Fogel last year, who was just a burner, a great uh, receiver to have outside of the or opposite of DeAndre Hopkins. Losing Lamar Miller, uh, I think, hurts a little bit just for the balance. I like Hyde. Duke Johnson is going to catch the ball out of the backfield. But once again, we always put a lot of stock and clout into this defense and they end up underperforming yeah. against the good teams. They don't have Clowney, so more of the pressure is going to be on Watt, who still has burst, still a great player, but you know, we got to see if he can stay healthy. I don't necessarily always trust Whitney Merciless and I don't love the back end. So I think this team has some holes in it. They got to prove they can keep Deshaun Watson upright. And we got to prove that, uh, or I think Bill O'Brien has a lot to prove as well. I think he's, I think as much, not necessarily as much as somebody like Jay Gruden, but his seat should be getting warm as well. It should. Uh, and I think that's why they're trading first round picks to get linemen to protect them because they know right. it's time to win now. Uh, right. The only, the only other team in this division and, and really no one that I know is high on them is the Tennessee Titans. They haven't addressed really any of their issues. And Mariota has just continuing to maybe even regress. So 
I think part of the problem there, I mean, he didn't play at the end of the season when uh, it looked like he could have. Don't really know what happened there. But the Titans, I just don't think they're in contention this year. No, I mean, are we ready to call this team the really the Dolphins of the South? They're looking for yeah. – they're, they're going to be looking for a quarterback. I think they could be in the Herbert um, Tua sweepstakes as well. They don't have a lot. They really don't. Yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry seems to frustrate a lot of people. We expect him to be a little bit better. They have Deion Lewis, but the passing game, I mean, they've drafted receivers. A lot of them haven't panned out. And defensively, their secondary has been bad for years. <laughs> so I don't. it's not really high to get on uh, as well. I think this team could be in regression as well, unfortunately, for Tennessee fans. Last division, the, a- the AFC West. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people think they know what's going to happen with division, but I want to start with one team that uh, the Broncos, Ryan, that brought in some new quarterbacks to the room. It's going to be Flacco, locks on IR, but they expect him to maybe be a part of the future. It's the same Denver Broncos narrative we've seen for the last couple of years. Their defense is outstanding. It's nasty. Offensively, you don't really know what they're doing. Yeah, and I think that'll get them probably in between seven and Nine wins. Well, maybe. that could be playoff potential. I mean, nine maybe. could get you in, but it probably won't. And um, it's probably going to be them missing the playoffs by a few games because of their offense again. I think so, too. And I'm interested to see how Vic Fangio is the, co- is the coach. He did a great job with the Bears, just that defense. And him, he's a kind of an old-school, hard-nosed guy. So going back to some old-school mentalities with Von Miller on one side, Bradley Chubb on the other, and we will see what that offense can do. But I don't see them making a playoff run, but I could see them, you know, souring some teams' days who are trying to make playoff runs. Yeah, I do like the Fangio hire. Everyone went offensive uh, young assistant, and they went with a standard veteran Grizzly defensive coach. So I do like going against the grain in that regard. But uh, we'll see. It might take some time to develop this. The Los Angeles Chargers, Ryan, were – Pretty much the third best team in the AFC last year. Uh, got handled by the Patriots in the playoffs, split with the Chiefs. A lot of promise on both sides of the ball. I do really, really don't like, hate to see the Derwin James injury. That would be very bad for them. But aside from that, I mean, you have Melvin Gordon, who might not even play football this season. <laughs> so it's hard to be as excited about the Chargers. Still a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, but... If you're going to challenge the Chiefs and then ultimately the Patriots in this conference, you got to come in with a little more momentum than that, I would think. Yeah, I still like the Chargers. You know, I think some people have been a little bit down on them basically because of how they went out last year. But you still have Phillip Rivers. You still have Keenan Allen. You got Bosa and Ingram. I think the fact that they haven't gotten Melvin Gordon the deal he wants, I think, shows what they think of him. I don't know if they really consider him in their future, he's not the class of an Ezekiel Elliott or, or a Barkley or a Bell. And I think they, you know, are kind of showing that, listen, we can, we're okay with Eckler and I forget who the other back Jackson, is. Jackson, right. And, and Jackson, yeah, I think they can go to a two-back system and I don't know how much longer they really want to be married to Melvin Gordon, honestly. I think... Well, I mean, Gordon didn't have a great rookie season. And then, oh. you know, so he hasn't been the most consistent back in football. He's had a couple of great seasons back-to-back. Unlike Zeke, who I think we both agree is better than, than Gordon or has been. But mm-hmm. the team's built around Zeke in Dallas. The Chargers can be fine. Eckler's a beast and Jackson's good. They don't really rely on the running game as much. 
No. So they're not. Gordon doesn't have the leverage that Zeke does. I'll put it that way. Um, for a, for a couple of different reasons. I but mean, Gordon, yeah, Gordon doesn't have the production Zeke does. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they're, I think they're going to be right in that mix for the playoffs. But to get to that Chiefs level, it's going to be tough. James is such a stud. He was so great on defense as a rookie last year. We'll see if if we see him this year what he looks like. Uh, the Chiefs, though, Ryan switching to them. Mahomes was a, was a world beater last year. A lot of people regress when they get to that next year, but I don't think anyone's Patrick Mahomes. And what this offense has done, Hardwick out of Georgia, who we saw a lot of in college, is a burner as well. Mahomes was a, was a world beater last year. A lot of people regress when they get to that next year, but I don't think anyone's Patrick Mahomes. And what this offense has done, and now adding LaShawn McCoy half of waiver wires as well. So Andy Reid gets Shady back again to work with. Chiefs are going to be tough, man. They are going to be a tough football team to beat by anyone. Yeah, I mean, just because they're going to score, 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 and score some more. And having, just shocking to me, and we don't have to get into the details, but having Tyreek Hill to start the season was a complete shock. So they're going to have all the speed. They're going to have Kelsey, who, you know, I think even last year, he probably was Gronk in the league. He was probably still the best tight end. But he's unquestioned now the best tight end in the NFL. Still got Watkins. They drafted um, another four-three guy. So you know they're going to have speed everywhere. But once again, if his defense uh, can't stop anything, this could end up being the exact same result as last year. It's going to be tough for them to beat. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, for them to get beat, I should say, with Mahomes. I mean. What can you say about him? I mean, he is just a stud. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Miko Hardman is his name. I keep calling yeah, him Hardman, but Miko yeah. Hardman's a four-three-three speed guy, and he he will fit in just perfect on that team. Uh, last team to talk about in our preview, Ryan, the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> They've given us entertainment, that's for sure. Oh man, they have. Well, what a team! I mean. What a team. That's I, all I can say. I can't see them winning more than five games. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. We'll see. And I, I was giving them, like, in between, okay, I will say six and a half, just because I think that Derek Carr to Antonio Brown, because one thing is Antonio is not going to do anything to keep himself from playing football. And even though they're bad, it doesn't mean that Derek Carr won't try to force him the ball. Right. So I, I think that alone can get you six games. The rest of the team, I just think, isn't good at all. I think Jacobs can be good, the running back out of Alabama. I, uh, I just I want to revisit that that last statement you just said the first time Carr overthrows Brown. <laughs> just, yeah. Let's just yeah. see how that goes. <laughs> right, right. That part as well. We'll see. But all right, time now on the Money Mitch Effect. We ran through all the divisions, Ryan. I want six teams. I want division winners and wildcard teams for each conference, starting with the NFC. Okay, NFC. So out of the East, um, bias, I'm going to go my squad. I just think on paper they got the best squad top to bottom here. Out of the West, I like the Rams. I don't know if they'll be as good as they were last year. I just think they are still better than – all the other teams in that division, although I think Seattle will challenge them. The North, okay. I like the I like the Bears on both sides, offense and defense. But Khalil Mack, he, we just saw last year, just a game changer. He can change the outcome of a couple games himself. Uh, and out of the South, I like the Saints. 
what else can be said about Drew Brees? They got the weapons. Uh, I think it's going to be a dogfight in that division, but I think ultimately their experience will uh, have them coming out on top. For my wild cards, uh, a surprise here. I like the Panthers. Uh, I really think that Cam Newton's going to stay healthy, and I think they're going to be that second team from the South. And then my sixth team, the Dallas Cowboys. I think Ezekiel Elliott ultimately is going to return. I think, if anything, Dak Prescott will stay where he is. I don't see a regression. And having Amari Cooper, who really was becoming an underrated receiver because of where he was, uh, is only going to get better. Having Randall Cobb opposite him, that defense, as we mentioned. Uh, So I'm really hoping Ezekiel Elliott's not there for the first two weeks so they can take out Ells. That's all wow. I'm saying about so, <laughs> interesting, interesting picks there. I had to get that Cowboys shot in at the end, and uh, you picked no, no other teams in the NFC North, right? Just the Bears, huh? No, no. So I mean, my seventh team were the Packers. Okay, I'll give you my NFC picks. So out of agreement there, I agree with the Eagles. I agree with the Bears, the Rams. And Saints. Well, we're in alignment division, but where we differ is the wild card. I don't think the Cowboys get in. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that the wild card teams are going to be the Seahawks get into the playoffs. I like them to go back. And I think the other wild card team is going to be the Vikings. Oh, wow. I think the Vikings make the playoffs this year. Uh, okay. So no Panthers, unfortunately. Thought about them. They were probably my seventh team. It's going to be tough to get in in the NFC. It is Don't think the tough. Packers get in. Don't think the Cowboys get in. Uh, those are going to be the teams I go with. So Seahawks and Vikings get in. All right, AFC teams. All right, man, this was – okay, this first one's not tough, but the East is the Patriots. <laughs> break break in. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they could win – in between 12 to 14 games, but they're winning the division regardless. Uh, the West, I would like the Chiefs here. I think it'll be kind of interesting just because those teams play each other well, but I think the Chiefs are going to run away with it for the most part. The South, as I mentioned, the Colts already, we talked about that. I just think they're infrastructurally better than the rest of the teams in that division. And I think they'll protect their quarterback better than Houston will protect theirs. The North, like the Ravens, to repeat here. Okay. I think um, they're just top to bottom. I think they're the most proven. They do have that a little bit of a playoff experience under their belt. I'm excited to see what a full offseason of Mark Jackson uh, schematically and physically uh, is going to bring. So I like the Ravens. And then my two wild cards here. Uh, so this was so tough for me. And I looked up the last time three teams from the same division made the playoffs. So I'm definitely picking the Browns here. I think they're getting into the playoffs. I just think they're they're going to play really well. I think they're even, they got an even-killed quarterback on the field who's going to keep them locked in. Uh, and I like all the weapons that they have. Now, I'm going to go ahead and give you the two teams I'm picking from here, the Chargers and the Steelers. I think I'm going to go with the Steelers just because oh. I think they got a, a chip on their shoulder. And I like three teams from, from that division. Getting wow. In. So yeah. no Chargers, huh? No so, Chargers. Yeah, no Chargers. I'll go with uh, Patriots, Browns. No surprise here. Got to pick them. 
uh, Texans, Chiefs, and then wild cards, I'll say Ravens and Ravens and I'll, I'll say, uh, I'll say Chargers again. Okay. Uh, but uh, Super Bowl team, what do you think it's going to be? So I like New England and man. You can go rematch. You can go matchup we haven't I've, seen before. You can put your team in there. A lot of opportunities. I'm thinking, I'm thinking rematch. I'm thinking Eagles Patriots. Okay, yeah, I was going to say Patriots. which one because the Eagles have yeah. a lot of Super Bowls. Yeah, Eagles Patriots. And who wins? Eagles again? Eagles. Okay, Eagles. all right. I'm not going to put my team in the Super Bowl, not just yet, because I am a realist here. My Super Bowl matchup is the Chiefs taking on the Chicago Bears. And, okay. I, think the, and I think the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. But I think the Bears can get there, and I'm, that's, my, that's my pick out of the NFC. Uh, well, this was fun, Ryan. Lastly, MVP. We won't do all the awards, but MVP and then maybe like an offensive, defensive player of the year. So, I really, really wanted to pick Aaron Donald for MVP. Oh, <laughs> but I don't think just they don't vote that way. Just the league isn't set up that way. So, I have no choice but to go chalk. I think it's going to be Patrick Holmes MVP and the Aaron Donald Defensive Player of the Year. I just think Patrick Holmes, he's set up to put up so many ridiculous numbers just based on that offense. And uh, Aaron Donald is going to get near 20 sacks again from defensive tackle. Yeah, that's tough to beat. Uh, but if I was going to say, and I would agree that those are the locks, to those are the, the ones that go chalk. Mm-hmm. But I'll give you some, some picks that I would say uh, out there might be worth considering. Defensively, if it's not Donald, maybe Miles Garrett. Okay. He's been you would pick Miles Garrett over Khalil's Mac. Well, here's the thing. I feel like Mac is a stud, but that defense is so loaded that the numbers might not reflect how dominant he is. Not to say the Browns defense isn't good, but I think Garrett could could be somebody to watch. No, I don't think Garrett's better than Mac, obviously, but I think that he's he's in that discussion. So Mac obviously is another one to consider, which we mentioned. Uh, how about your boy Carson Wentz coming back, maybe making an MVP run? He absolutely could. I mean, man, he's I healthy. Hope he's, if he's healthy, he absolutely come could. back player. He's probably the favorite for that if he has a good season, and then yeah, if he could if he could put something together there as well. And offensively, for like a skill guy that we that we think could have a beast year, who do you think could just be that a running back receiver, maybe even? Um, I think guy who just has a really, really, really good year is. Hmm, I, I'm looking at Saquon and McCaffrey. Those are the two. I think they could. I think McCaffrey could. is going to go for a thousand and a thousand. I think this year. Even Saquon too. I wouldn't count him out. That guy is going to no. be uh, is going to be I mean, a stud. He's going to be the only option. And uh, if if this team returns back, I mean, we, we talk about all the receivers. You know the who's who of, of who they of who the best receivers are, Ryan. But Devontae Adams, I'd look out for him because he's Rodgers' guy. And if Rodgers is, is the 12 that we know, <laughs> he's going to get a yeah. lot of catches. So, Well, I feel like if Rodgers is the 12 that we know, he could, he could potentially win MVP too. <laughs> Can't count him out, <laughs> that's for sure. And Brady, unfortunately, too. So. Breeze, too. <laughs> Breeze, yeah. Maybe we'll see Breeze Brady finally in the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Ryan, this was a blast. We, we spent over an hour talking the NFL season as only we could, but thanks for coming on, and we'll have to do this again to see as always how right and how wrong we are with our picks oh of course of course man i appreciate it that's great
All right, huge thanks to Ryan Souls for breaking down every NFL divisional race. Bears, Packers, NFL's back tomorrow with our first game and the full slate of Sunday games. Can't wait for that. Thanks again to Ryan Souls. Now it's time to switch it up. We're talking UFC, some wrestling as well with Jose Youngs. He writes for MMA Fighting. Host some podcasts as well. We're going to discuss him being cage side at UFC 241 as well as preview Khabib versus Poirier, the rest of the card, and all elite wrestling's big pay-per-view where they crown a new champion, someone we all know in the wrestling world. Here's Jose Youngs now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, Money Mitch Effect, now we're going to talk some UFC. We're getting ready for UFC 242. Call my expert, MMAfighting.com's Jose Youngs. To break down the card, Jose, thanks for coming back to the show. Anytime, man. I'm always happy to talk to Money Mitch. Well, a lot to, a lot to dive into, but I do, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up 241, which you were there cage side, and uh, I want to know what your reaction was to a lot of epic fights Especially that knockout victory that very few people saw coming with Stipe Miocic stopping Daniel Cormier in the fourth round. That that was a moment, I think, that a lot of people stopped in their tracks for. Having been there, what was that like to describe? It, it kind of came out of nowhere for the untrained eye because it seems like Stipe, he was eating a lot of shots walking forward and vice versa. DC was willing to eat a few punches to land a handful. I think he, he, might, he, he himself said he was a little surprised Stipe could take so many shots especially after their first fight uh but to the untrained eye it looked like Stipe kind of clipped him and then went in for the kill but if you go back and watch that fight he really starts going to the body a lot like near the end of that fight like in the in the third round he really starts just digging those hooks into the body and he said watching tape in the past that other fighters have really hurt DC going to the body especially that side that that oblique kick to the body from Anderson Silva when they fought at UFC 200 uh-huh. uh so when DC when he noticed that he just started digging these hooks into the body, uh, and then it really just kind of caught up on Stipe. So I mean, it caught up on Daniel Cormier because eventually got clipped when he went up to the top. So uh, to the untrained eye, it looks like it came out of nowhere. But if you really know what you're talking, if you really know what you're looking at, then it, it was basically the culmination of a beatdown on Daniel Cormier's on Stipe Miocic's part. Yeah, I, I I just I watched the fight thinking just how tough are these guys <laughs> like I mean they were throwing bombs early and often for Stipe to survive in the first round after that takedown and uh, to make that tactical adjustment and as you said learn from previous fights and damage on DC I'd love to see a trilogy but I don't know what DC is going to decide to do do you think he fights again yeah 100% Daniel Cormier will fight again uh, he's he's a very competitive individual so it's like it's like Stipe when he when he lost to Daniel Cormier, he didn't care about the belt. He just wanted to get that fight back. And I know Daniel Cormier is the same way. Um, so like 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 Daniel Cormier, as you know, he's he like one year ago he had two belts. Now mm-hmm. he has none. Doesn't want to go on a loss. I know if he had won this fight, I wouldn't have minded if he retired. But I'm pretty confident that Daniel Cormier will fight one more time. And I imagine it'll be against Stipe Miocic only because he's so competitive and right. wants that win back. So the Jones thing is probably not going to happen? I Jones DC probably three probably won't happen again, especially because Daniel Cormier probably would have retired anyway if he had, if he had beaten Stipe Miocic. Uh, and I don't think John Jones will go up to heavyweight anytime soon. I have a feeling his contract is coming up, which is why he's taking all these really quick turnaround fights against not the, not the sexiest names, 
more like the Jan Blachowiczs and the the Thiago Santos is like those names that he just wants to he just wants to burn through his contract similar to what Benson Henderson did before before he jumped over to Bellator or Josh Koscheck did before he jumped over to Bellator. Not that John Jones will leave the UFC. I just think this new ESPN deal has really changed how champions' minds uh, work when they're negotiating contracts because it's not really pay per view points anymore. So I have a feeling John Jones will negotiate for a higher upfront salary. Uh, rather than because uh, since since he can't make money off the pay-per-views anymore, so I just that's my gut feeling. I don't know that to be true, but I have a feeling if John Jones does go up to heavyweight, it'll probably be to fight someone like a Brock Lesnar that can get him a lot of money. Right? Because like John Jones is not going to fight <laughs> Francis Ngannou anytime soon. Right? Uh, that'd be a foolish on him. So I think I don't see John fighting DC again. I don't see John going to heavyweight anytime soon. Yeah, it seems like th- that train is crossed. I I do think though Lesnar is is a different beast entirely. It'd be good for him to have a fight like Lesnar where he's not, you know, the, the top of the mountain or near the top of the mountain heavyweight. Right. Maybe his first foray into the heavyweight division against somebody that's not already well entrenched in that. So uh, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to, to figure out. The other thing I wanted to get your thought on was, you know, in addition to Diaz winning and that being a good performance for him, being cage side uh, for the Romero-Costa fight, which was just insane. Like, it was th- those guys are just different breeds, it seems like, because I couldn't believe how tough they were, how they were surviving some shots and just going to war with each other. Yeah, to, I, I described it as watching Cage that I, t- I was talking to a few of the journalists. It was, it was like if you took two hammers and threw them into a blender and turned it on. Like, that's pretty much how it was. It was just two guys, two like very hyper-athletic muscular men just throwing smoke for 15 minutes. So that's it. And it at any point, someone could have gotten knocked out. I think it really – I was more impressed with Paulo Costa. Obviously, he was a very uh, – not low-ranked. Like, he was one of those those fighters that his ranking did not show how good he actually was. And the fact that he beat Yoel Romero, which I think Yoel Romero is the toughest fight in the UFC, in, in the entire middleweight division. Like, you don't – even if you win, you don't come out the same after those kind of fights. Just look at Robert Whitaker. He hasn't fought since. So, uh Paulo Costa, I think, is obviously the rightful number one contender, and that's one of the craziest fights I've ever seen live. Uh, Yoel Romero, up to his usual tricks again. Like uh, he got hit, in, he got kneed in the gut, which is obviously not a low blow, but he pretended it was a low blow, basically to 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 regain composure. He pretended he got hurt. He, he basically pretended it was wow. a foul. Yeah. Nothing new. Paulo Costa was like, "Yeah, duh." Like we we knew that was going to happen. So when you fight Yoel Romero, you kind of know those things are going to happen. He kind of did this this look over there punch. Like he looked like he pointed at the canvas, like his mouthpiece had popped out, and Paulo Costa looked down, and then Yoel Romero punched <laughs> him in the jaw. So uh, nothing new on that end, but Paulo Costa really blew me away with his. Did you have controversial? I think I yeah. think it was like fifty-fifty on the judges' scorecard. I had Paulo Costa win. I did. I had okay. Him, I, yeah. I can't remember the rounds, but he definitely won the first. Yeah. He definitely won the first round, and I think he won the second round. So, but that I think it's that second round is the big deciding one. Yeah, I was going to ask you, and and I I actually thought in a close one, I would have said, I think I would have actually, you know, looking back on it, it's been a few weeks now. I thought draw was a possibility because I thought there could have been a 10-8 Romero round. I don't remember specifically which one off yeah, the top right. of my head. So that's what I thought. And, and this is, look, this is fighting. It's not outrageous. Both guys could have won that fight. I, I don't think it would have been outrageous if either one won. So props to Costa, and, and he's in line. I mean, he's going to get his shot soon. I mean, after we see what happens with Izzy and Whitaker, I think he's going to be coming. 
I mean, even before the fight, he said he was going to fly to Melbourne to sit Octagon side to watch that fight. So I would imagine, regardless of who wins, he's going to enter the Octagon and challenge the winner. Which is all right. I know Israel. I talked to Israel Asan at the UFC Hall of Fame because he's one of these guys that plans out his opponents. And he said, after I beat Robert Whitaker, I'm going to fight the winner of Romero and Costa. So uh, if Israel Adesanya wins, it's a no-brainer. I think there is bad blood between those two, and Robert Whitaker will fight anybody. So uh, I, I think Paulo. And who's going to argue that Paulo Costa is not the middleweight uh, contender at the moment? Yeah. Can't argue that right now. All right, Jose Young's Money Mitch Effect. Let's turn our attention to the next fight card this Saturday. If you're if you're in the stateside, it's going to be on Saturday, but it's going to be ahead. It's in Abu Dhabi. It's Khabib taking on the Diamond Dustin Poirier, headlining that card. It's actually the third time the UFC's been to Abu Dhabi. They had that fight night with uh, Roy Nelson knocking out Noriega. Yep. Uh, it was a yeah, long time ago. It was like five years ago, I think. Yep. Was the last time that, that that they fought over there, but we're doing it again, and it is Khabib for the first time since the McGregor fight last year, taking on interim champion, interim lightweight champion Dustin Poirier. We got here uh, the old-fashioned way because Khabib hasn't fought in a long time, still is the, the throne, still is at the top of the throne of the lightweight division. Poirier's just been winning fights. I mean, he got here through no hype other than I'm going to beat everybody in my path to earn this fight, and I, I'm proud to see uh, it, it's it's great to see Jose because this was not a, a big fight drama. There is no way you can argue that he didn't earn this. Yeah, and not not only is he beating everyone in his path, like look who he's beaten. Like he's Ooh, one of the Pettis. best stretch runs we've seen. Beats Anthony Pettis, former lightweight champion. He also beats Jim Miller, who has the most like the most fights in the history of the UFC. Uh, fights Eddie Alvarez to a no contest. Goes back there and knocks out Eddie Alvarez. Knocks out former UFC and Bellator champion. Knocks out Justin Gaethje, former World Series of Fighting champion. Like this stretch of victories might be the most impressive in lightweight history. I won't say the most impressive in UFC history. UFC history. If he beats, if he goes out there and knocks out Habib, <laughs> like he's knocking out and finishing all of these other guys, because he's not just beating them. Like he's knocking them out. In very violent fashion, uh, if 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 you if he goes out there and stops Habib Nurmagomedov and becomes the first man in 28 fighters to ever do that, I don't know how you can't say it's the most impressive. And there's a legitimate argument that he's the greatest lightweight who's ever lived. Uh, he's done it in very violent fashion. He obviously beat. He also beat Max Holloway, fe- current featherweight champion, uh, in one of the best title fights I've ever seen. Would have been the best title fight on that card. He just happened to be right after Israel Adesanya and Kelvin Gastelum, which I think is the greatest title fight I've ever seen uh, in my life. Uh, so Dustin Poirier, he has, but again, this is all ifs. Like he still has to be. Yeah, you know, it, it, we're saying no you have has. to you have to knock out Khabib. <laughs> like I mean, yeah, with yeah. No if he does, if he does that, hurt. sure. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. He doesn't take damage. Um, do Do you think I'm going to ask you this question, Jose? Do you think Khabib has been? I don't want to say. I, I don't know if Moody is the right way to put this, but. He's kind of just said, I'm not going to fight until I feel like it. And Dana White has said, okay, fine, we'll wait until just now. Because it has been a long time. We've seen guys get stripped of their belts who haven't fought in this stretch. Yeah, there's zero chance Habib Nurmagomedov was going to get stripped of his lightweight championship because he said he was sitting out until his teammates, who he considers his brothers, Mm -hmm. Uh, we're done with their suspensions or if, if they said he said if the UFC cuts my teammates then they then I'm never going to fight again and I'm comfortable with that like Habib is loyal like no one else he cares more about his teammates and his family more than his actual belt and money uh, he doesn't really care about the money like he said like if I wanted money I'll just fight Conor McGregor again like Dustin Poirier is up next and that's what I'm going to fight so I wouldn't call him moody I would just say loyal and Comparing to what he did against Connor, of course he's going to sound moody because yeah. anyone fighting Connor is going to be all hot right. and stuff. Now 
he's it's just business as usual for him. Right, and, and I mean that's why I wasn't trying to attach Moody to him. I understand that he's looking out for his best interest and for his teammates' best interest. But it has been a while. We wanted to see him fight for a long time. Now we finally have that chance. This should be a good one. Um, I know Poirier is coming in as a sizable underdog, and deservedly so, but what can he do to win this fight, Jose? From a tactical standpoint, I know it's easy to say if he can get some damage on Khabib, but no one's been able to do it in 27, 26 pro fights. It doesn't pour it. Yeah, the thing he has to do is he has to hurt Khabib. Uh, he basically has to put him in situations that no one has ever put him in before. Like, again, if you look at Khabib's past opponents, outside of Rafael Dos Anjos, who was seriously depleting his body to cut down the lightweight, and that was a three-round fight, Habib has never really fought someone that is as well-rounded as Justin Poirier. Yes, Javier Dos Anjos, former lightweight champion, one of the greatest fighters of all time. But I think he was really – that was at the point where he was really feeling the effects of those weight cuts. And it right. really caught up to him like, when you saw against Eddie Alvarez. Now he's at welterweight. It's a different animal. Habib has never fought someone that hits his – Connor obviously hits hard, but Connor's a striker. Connor is – if you say what's Connor's path to victory, it is striking. It is yeah. knocking you out. It is putting you on your ass. It is going to war. Dustin Poirier can beat you anywhere. Habib has never experienced that. He's also never fought someone that continuously walked forward. Like, yes, Edson Barbosa is one is the one of the greatest strikers to ever enter the octagon, and talent-wise, and skill-wise. He's probably the best striker Habib has ever fought. Habib just wrestled him to the ground because that's Edson Barbosa isn't a grappler. He's not a wrestler. Dustin Poirier is by far the most well-rounded fighter Habib Nurmagomedov has ever fought. So, yes, he has 28 wins. He's 28-0. and 0, But there are questions, like, can he compete against someone that is more than a striker, is more than a grappler, is can do everything? And not only can he do everything, he does everything exceptionally well, and he has a, a will and a chin of granite. So I want to see what happens if Khabib gets, put in, gets pushed into the deep waters against Dustin Poirier, who... If you yes, he's knocked out his last few fights, last few opponents, but every single fight has basically been a fight of the night. He even won fight I think fight fight of the year against Justin Gaethje, one of the craziest fights I've ever seen live. So uh, I want to see Habib Nurmagomedov in a war, and I think Dustin Poirier is one of those opponents that can put him through that. Yeah, he's on a uh, a streak. I mean, five. If you, and again, yeah. if you look at like John Jones was dominant. He's when right. he was running when his early run. People were saying this is the best fight I've ever seen, this and that. Will he ever have death? It wasn't until he fought Alexander Gustafson, which is one of the greatest title fights ever, that John Jones really cemented him as one of the best fighters ever. Because if you remember, too, that was in the height of his party days when he was out. Oh, yeah. He, he, he basically said, I didn't train. He blacked out a weekend before every yeah, fight. I, I didn't train at all. He basically just did boxing, and he still won on gutting it out and skill set and what got him to the dance in the first place. And I think this is a fight. That again, if Habib does, if he, Habib wins a fight like that, there's an argument he's the best fighter on the planet. Earth. But if he goes out there and just mauls Dustin Poirier, who who's one of again, if if Habib does what Habib does to everyone and just dominates Dustin Poirier like he did every single opponent, I would I would be impressed. But I still want to see you want to see him in that war. war. Yeah, I, I get do. it. I get it. That, that's just a testament to Habib's abilities as a martial artist. His sambo skills are just incredible. But we'll see. Poirier on that fight win streak hasn't lost since Michael Johnson KO'd him in 2016. That was the last time he's lost. He's on that stretch run. And uh, just another fun fact here. Do you know the only guy to ever submit? I know you probably know this, but the only guy to ever submit Poirier? Um, that is an excellent question. 
I don't know off the top of my head. He's your favorite. I think I gave it away. Oh, the Korean zombie. That's right. The darts joke. That's actually that. What is a stupid answer, me? Because that's my favorite fight <laughs> no, of all time. No, that that's why I thought you'd get it yeah. for sure. Yeah, I that know. is. Uh, Dustin Poirier was just darsing everyone, and the Korean zombie just submits him with his own choke. Yeah, that's my favorite fight of all time too. I can't believe I forgot about that. <laughs> it's all right, but I mean, yeah, I thought you know that one. Just cut on this out offer. of the hype. <laughs> we'll see. I might have to leave that in. Uh, all right, Jose, I'm looking forward to this fight. But what else on the card should we look forward to? Blades is fighting. We got Paul yeah. Felder on there as well. This is some sneaky good potential for some fights because I think these are some even matchups down the board. What else excites you at UFC 242? I mean, the co-main event, the rematch between Felder and Barbosa, that first fight was a lot of fun. Um, Edson Barbosa is one of these fighters. Like, I'll watch him fight anyone, and I'll be excited. Like, I'll watch Paul Felder fight anyone, and I'll have fun. So uh, neither man needed to take this because uh, Barbosa is coming off a loss. Uh, Felder's coming off a win over James Vick where also his like lung collapsed. Yeah, he almost died like after. <laughs> yeah, and he still won the fight. Neither man needed like obviously Barbosa will take this fight because he's coming off a loss. Felder didn't need this fight. He wanted to avenge that loss, which is like, which is like again, he just wants to compete. He doesn't care who it is. He doesn't care who it's against. He just wants to go in there and fight and avenge a loss. Uh, will it get him close to a title fight? Obviously, because Barbosa is so highly ranked. But I don't think I honestly. Felder's one of those guys that he would fight Barbosa if he was unranked because he wants to get that back. Curtis Blades should have, if he had beaten Francis Ngannou, he probably would have fought for the title. I can't remember off the top of my head who he's fighting. I know who he's fighting. I, if I look at him, he has a very long name that I'm yes. not going to try and pronounce. Ebru, uh, <laughs> Ebru exactly. Kamimov. I, I yeah. yeah, I've looked I'm him up too. Try. He's 38 years old, by the way. Just want to point Good that fighter, out. Though. Yeah, absolutely exceptional fighter. I think Curtis Blaze is one of the best fighters in the heavyweight. He's super young, which the heavyweight division needs. Uh, it's going to be hard for him to get a title shot anytime soon, especially because he has two losses to Francis Ngannou, and the most recent one was under a minute. Mm. Uh, Islam Makhachev is fighting on the is on fighting on the card too. He's Habib's teammate. Uh, he really does remind me of a young Habib, not in terms of his skill set. But in terms of, like, every time he fights, you just kind of feel afraid for his opponent. Like, he just mauls them. And there are videos – there's, like, videos of him on YouTube, of him uh, at AKA, training with, like, all-American wrestlers and these, like, high-level high, high school wrestlers. And he is just tossing them on their heads. So uh, I'm very curious how he does. I don't know if he's a future champion, but I want to see him get – bigger steps leaps in competition he hasn't fought in a minute i think since that last st petersburg card with the uh where overeem headlined it uh but there's a there's a lot of fun fights it's not the deepest i think this fight card is really a showcase for the abu dhabi fan base which is fine uh you need some of those but uh, it's one of those fights where the main event sells the entire card oh yeah so i think the ufc is using that to an advantage because they're the main event is uh, such a high level martial arts matchup that they can stack this card with whoever else and they're kind of hoping that the casual fans will remember the names of these no-names, not no-names, but lesser-known fighters that they weren't aware of yet. I agree. I mean, I'm excited to see the undercard having followed this for a while, but, yeah, it's all about the main event, as it should be, and uh, I can't wait for it. UFC 242 on Saturday. Well, Jose Young's from MMA Fighting. Before we wrap this <laughs> up, i got to switch gears, stay in the same realm of, uh, of fighting, but a different sport. Because I remember on Saturday you tweeted out something that I had to think about. You said, get ready for the best combat sports athlete in the world when Lomachenko is fighting. And I thought about it, and yeah, I agree. <laughs> like, I can't think of anybody else better than this guy. I know you're a boxing fan as well. He beat Campbell, who's also a gold medalist from Britain, and beat him handily. He's got three of the four lightweight belts. 
this is a rain, and this is a rain where I don't see an end in sight. He's unbelievable. He is the most impressive boxer I have ever seen. Like I'm like in terms of talent and skill set, I can't think of a, a, a boxer that I've seen that I've been in such awe because he's not beating scrubs. He's beating elite level fighters and making them quit. Like Campbell, he took a body shot and basically shot in for a double left <laughs> takedown. He basically yeah. tried to take, did a wrestling move on him to get away from him. And Lomachenko is one of these guys that just laughs at it. He's so uber talented that it's un, like we are living in a golden era of boxing in terms of talent wise. Like he is the most talented boxer that I have ever seen inside inside the ring. I think his broken English is very much like Habib. Like it makes him intimidating. It gives him this mystique and this aura about him. He fought Campbell was from London or from England, and they fought in the O2 Arena, and Lomachenko was the reigning champion. So <laughs> he doesn't care. To, he's going to the enemy's backyard and just decapitating them. So Lomachenko is the most impressive. I'm grouping uh, like collegiate wrestling, MMA, boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, everyone. Like Rico Verhoeven, the glory heavyweight champion, is uber impressive too. Uh, you got all kinds of Muay Thai people that people don't know about. You got Jordan Burroughs in wrestling, like the best combat sport athlete in the world right now. Talent-wise, I think is Vasil Lomachenko. I just want to point out one thing. While I completely agree with it, pretty much everything you just said, because there's some people out there that will look at win-loss record, right? And then that's all they right. care about is, oh, who's perfect, whatever. He's got one loss. He fought for the title in his second pro fight. Right. Like People don't realize like, how ridiculous that is. You want to talk about, like, records? Like, look at his amateur record. He's probably the greatest amateur boxer ever. How many fights did he have? Like, 300? <laughs> he has two gold medals, pretty much. Like, Lomachenko is, like, yeah, he's, like, what, 19-1, and one, maybe even less. And he has, like, but if you look at his amateur record, it's, like, 300 or 400 boxing matches. And then two gold medals. Like, he's, it's unbelievable what he's doing. And uh, it's, it's weird to think about because he's so young. And he's still so new to the pro scene that I don't know who he's going to run out of opponents way too quick. It's it's basically the opposite of Floyd Mayweather, where Floyd Mayweather fought everyone past their prime to make a lot of money, and Lomachenko is just collecting scalps because he wants to. He's thirty. He's got a lot of great boxing left. Kami is the only boxer left with a lightweight belt, other than Lomachenko. And that's his next one. And I don't see I don't see how he doesn't get that one. No, he's not going to lose that one. Uh, yeah, it, it's and the best thing too about him that we didn't mention, he can fight in about three different divisions. He can yeah. make weight, fight, go up, go down, doesn't matter. His footwork is phenomenal. We talked about how his dad signed him up for ballet dancing. Like it's it's probably the best athlete footwork I've ever seen. And I'm a big oh, footwork yeah. guy. Like <laughs> it's just what I mean, in, in all sports. Footwork all day. And I was I was talking to someone. Um, I in terms of like a coach, like father son duo. I can't think of many better in all of sports right now than Lomachenko and his father right now. I mean, I'm sure there's great football, like football and baseball and basketball ones out there, but right now the most dominant father-son combo is Lomachenko and his father, and I'm even putting them above Habib and his father. <laughs> Habib's father will be in his corner for the first time in forever because he doesn't, he can't really get a visa to the United States. I'm not quite sure, uh, but since it's in Abu Dhabi, he can be there. So if Habib has his father in the corner, that's another – duo right there but Lomachenko and his father are on another level they're on a different spectrum I mean it's just a it's a joy to watch him fight and I don't see him losing for a long time this could be one of the greatest boxers we've ever seen and you mentioned it this is a golden era we know what Canelo and Triple G have been doing but Terrence Bud Crawford is great as well 
Uh, Spence is fighting Porter coming up. I, I'm a boxing fan as well. Mark, Mikey Garcia is another one as well. So, and the heavyweight renaissance is great. I mean, we <laughs> we we gotta we gotta get ready for the Ruiz rematch with uh, yeah. with Joshua and see what Fury is up to before fighting Wilder. But we kind of got a nice little heavyweight eliminator going on. So I'm pretty pumped about that. I mean, the the, the fact that we're even having conversation over who deserves the next title shot at heavyweight is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. It is, and I like to see adversity if uh, if Joshua could come back and uh, regain 100%. his belt. So it's going to be 100%. fun. Last thing, Jose, before I let you go, got to sneak pro wrestling in there. Haven't Always. been haven't been keeping up with the promotions day in and day out, but all all elite wrestling had all out the other night to crown their first champion, and it's Chris Jericho at about fifty years yeah. old beats Paige to win that title. Uh, Omega wrestled. Moxley did not as he was injured. They got Pac to come back and, and fight the former Neville from the WWE. They had a good match. Uh, some interesting debuts. The tag team division really heating up. Cody had another good match. So there's a lot. And I think I even saw Arn Anderson throw a spine buster. Forgot what decade yeah. it was, but I even saw that. JR on the call. It was a good show, I thought, from what I saw. How would you rate All Elite Wrestling's All Out and how their progress has been as a promotion? I think it was a good first show to crown their champion. I think Jericho is the smart choice considering, like, if you're not an AEW fan, you still know who Chris Jericho is. He can, he also, he's in a big, he's in a little band called what? Like, uh, Fozzie. That Fozzie, has, like, yeah. It's, it's pretty popular. It's a pretty popular thing. I'm pretty sure he's going to come back to Wrestle Kingdom. So, uh, it's a smart move by them to put it on. Like, because Paige is not, he's young. He's one of the most talented wrestlers in the world. I don't even think he's 30 yet. Uh, he has Superstar written all over him. And I think it would have been dumb to kind of pull the trigger so soon and just crown him the champion. You want to build him up and make uh, Jericho this big villain and have the chase for the gold because it will make it that much sweeter when we won. And if Paige had won, I think it would be a little too obvious because uh, I think at the end, like Pac, Neville, or Pac, Omega, Rhodes, Jericho, like all of these guys are going to Moxley, they're all going to be competing for the championship at some point. Paige versus getting the rub off of Jericho, like – the the new guy always needs the rub from the old guy. Like we 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 talked at WrestleMania, everyone was upset Baron Corbin beat Kurt Angle in his retirement match. I wasn't because that's what old veterans are supposed to do. They yeah. put over the new guard. Like you don't not get lose to the go John out Cena. On top. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you gotta yeah exactly. So he not John Cena. You gotta put over uh, the young guys. So Baron Corbin beating Kurt Angle was great. Uh, I loved Jericho beating Paige because it allows him to uh, chase for the gold. Did you see Jericho's promo after the match? Did you see the little walk and talk he did with the microphone? Of course. The guy, the guy is incredible. He's one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. He's definitely in my top five of the Attitude Era and being a fan of, of that stretch run. Uh, it's incredible. The guy got over a, a spinning back elbow as a finisher. I mean, I feel yeah. like he can get anything over, and you could tell that was off the top. He didn't plan any of that. It, it's just he's he is what he. I think he says he is. He's up there with the best in the world, and at forty nine, as Jr. I think said on the broadcast, continues to reinvent himself. Should be good. I'm excited because they they aren't burning. You know, they aren't beating any feuds into the ground, Jose. And I think that's the big thing. There's still some good matchups down the road. Slow they burn. haven't. Yeah, they haven't really. They're going that that uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling slow burn style. So that'll be I hope good. so. I certainly hope so. And I'm very glad Cody Rhodes isn't in the title picture anytime soon. Uh, there's a lot of work left to be done for for this new promotion. And uh, I, I I wish Moxley was on the card. He got MRSA, which is obviously life threatening. Uh-huh. Uh, so I would. I'm I'm very glad he didn't get the. I, I I'm bummed he missed out on it. But I think his return will be that much bigger now. 
Well, yeah, I I hope so. I hope so. And, and it was a way to introduce Pac to the to the to AEW scene because this was his first AEW match after he was supposed to fight Hangman back in the day. I think he was the perfect replacement. Uh, I'm a little bummed because I thought I, Omega Pac. We talked about it is a dream match for me. Uh, I wish their first match was on like for the title, big main event, like this and that because those two could put on like a ten star match. So little little bummed. That's how we got it, but nonetheless. It was like a DQ finish or whatever, or like the referee pulled off uh, Omega. So uh, the next one, I think they'll tear the house down. Wow, I'm looking forward to it. Who do we? Are we expecting to see all these guys at Wrestle Kingdom? I don't know if Omega's uh, going to go back. You I mentioned Jericho. I, I don't think Omega's going back. I would not be surprised if Jericho went back. I know okay. he has some his. I, I know he probably won't wrestle for a belt or anything, but he def. I think um, Jericho is one of those guys that'll. That'll go back to New Japan for maybe one big show, and obviously Moxley has to. He's the U.S. champion. Of yeah. Uh, so, uh, and Ibushi's obviously fighting for the championship at Wrestle Kingdom. It just depends on who. Uh, Suzuki's pretty awesome right now, tangoing with uh, uh, Okada, and then who knows what Naito is going to do. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Naito get developed at some point. And I think him versus Ibushi. Those whenever those two wrestle, I get a concussion watching the match. <laughs> uh, my neck my neck falls apart watching those two just toss each other around so i don't maybe that one will happen but okada versus ibushi is like unbelievable to me so for all the talent that left new japan they're not hurting at the moment they're certainly not jose young this was a pleasure we always got to add wrestling in at the end of the show and we do it strategically at the end of the show so if you're not a wrestling fan you know when to check out but i'm, I'm sure everybody out there love that as much as i do you can catch jose young's mma fighting appreciate you coming on We'll be talking again soon. Tons of pay-per-views, tons of UFC and, and boxing and, and wrestling on the uh, on the cards coming up. So thanks again for coming on the show. Anytime, man. You let me know and I'll be there. Huge thanks to both Ryan Souls and Jose Youngs for appearing on today's show. Thanks again to Brian Nelson for supplying the podcast artwork, Tim Adams for supplying beats. And a reminder that you can catch every episode of The Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. And check out The Money Mitch Effect Facebook page as well, where every episode is posted freshly for you there. I'm on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21 if you want to follow some sports tweets. A lot of college football, too. There's lots going on in the sports world, not just MMA and NFL football. Hope you had a good week one college football. If you made some picks, get ready for Texas and LSU this Saturday, as well as USC Stanford. Some good ones on the slate there. And the U.S. Open rages on. We'll be recapping it next week, but no Federer, Djokovic left in that tournament. Dahl Serena are both looking for their major title to add to their collection as well as some new players battling there. we got a lot to break down, as well as the baseball pennant race. Lots in the sports world. The Money Mitch Effect has you covered. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the show, The Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening. Keep enjoying sports.